Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger Running, the trail and ultra running YouTube channel. And this is the podcast version of my weekly live chat with an athlete, coach or other running expert. The link to the original film on YouTube is in the show notes. Check out my Instagram and YouTube channel for more training advice, inspiration and gear reviews. Everything is Wild Ginger Running and my blog is wildgingerrunning.co.uk. Support me on Patreon if you enjoy this free advice at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Enjoy this podcast and see you next week for more. Good evening and welcome to Wild Ginger Running. Welcome. Another Scotty takeover. Um, now, so we, <laughs> we have a confession to make at the start of this, of this podcast. Um... Due to a um, well, just family commitments, our our guest is currently tied up, and um, not not kind of physically tied up, but just tied up with uh, looking after his son. So he's running a little bit late. Um, but we thought we'd start, and um, if you're kind of sat there waiting, wondering when we're going to be starting, um, we thought we'd start now and hopefully bring our guest Marcus in. The another Marcus. Another Marcus, not me. Um, if they're able to, to kind of join us as and when. So, uh, yeah, we're going to maybe just start with our usual kind of friendly <laughs> rant. If this completely sounds like it's ad hoc, then uh, yes, it is. Completely ad hoc, isn't it? Yeah, let's just fill for when <laughs> John Marcus comes. Um, so, how are you? I, I'm, I'm very good, Jen. How are you? Are, are, you, are you well? Are you keeping well? <laughs> How would, if you're joining us live, we will have um, Marcus Brown on very shortly, who's also known as The Marathon Marcus on Instagram. And uh, he also has his own podcast and uh, has an amazing kind of story of um, going from a four hour marathon runner, or even kind of slower than that, four, four hours 45, down to sub three. And uh, we've just had a notification on Skype <laughs> that, that Marcus um, is there, he's saying hi. So we might kind of dialing. So you're probably going to hear a little bit of a kind of delay going on. Here we go. We've got a call coming in. So we're going to introduce Marcus straight away. This is not how we normally do things. We are completely throwing him in at the door. There we go. <laughs> hi, Marcus. Hey, Marcus. Hi, yeah. How are you doing, yeah, we're, we're live already. <laughs> so, we just went in and then we, I just said, we're going to throw you in at the deep end and bring you in live. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, apologies for running late, but I think as all parents will kind of attest to, like, sometimes it's not as straightforward as putting your kids to bed and being a one. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I mean, you don't. Oh, yeah. Please don't apologize, but no, appreciate you being able to come and join us. Um, you were single-handedly dealing with kids and bedtime Let and trying to come on and speak to us. <laughs> so let's let's bring you on to those who are joining us live on uh, on YouTube. Excellent. So Marcus Brown, how, how old is your your, your kids? Who you were? Uh, so uh, three and a half and seventeen months. Wow. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> Excellent. And, uh, so yeah. not at the age where you can just say go to bed now, like like the teenage. Um, the oldest one is is it getting better at going to bed? You can say like go to bed. There's a no, then you put her down, and then she's asleep. Um, the other one takes a little bit sort of, yeah, <laughs> maybe it work. But I mean, other parents have gone through the same type of thing, really. But they're asleep now. Uh, my wife is back. <laughs> I think I've got back up, so all good to go. Oh, thank you Excellent. so much for joining us. I kind of. Kind of delving into all the things, that, plates that you're spinning. I do 
feel like you are so busy. I don't know where you find time. Like, so you run um, your podcast, A Runner's Life, and yeah. you're like up to nearly 100 episodes, or have you recorded your 100th episode? I have done, but it's just not published yet. I'm not quite sure which one's going to be the 100th yet. <laughs> so um, I've got some really amazing people. Um, I've had spoken to some amazing people, so I'm not quite sure what the 100th one will be, whether it'll be a new episode or maybe just a kind of like a mix of all the ones I've done before because sometimes I feel like it's it's like an opportunity for me to speak to people and learn from them so I might just try and do like a, a mashup of all the some of the, the lessons I've learned. <laughs> and I haven't really given you a proper intro but we first met Marcus in a desert in Peru. <laughs> you met Marcus? I've not met <laughs> no, Marcus. No you haven't met him. <laughs> Where you were kind of spending the whole race grinning and having an amazing time it looked like and I was just moaning about heat and sand and <laughs> not having such a good though. time. You were on a mission. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was there with like a couple of good friends and yeah, the thing for me was just, just, it was my first one so I had no expectations. I just wanted to go out and enjoy it well, as much as you can enjoy the sandstorm carrying your kit in the back. <laughs> I mean, it was a stunning race. Uh, I've got, never we've seen. Got a picture. We have found a picture on your. Uh, oh yeah, it, we. It... I haven't even warned you that we stole some photos off your Instagram. So we've got a um, picture of you, and I know where that picture is. That's at the bottom of. What did we call it? The Great June. I'm not sure if anybody else called it that, but um, it was huge, <laughs> and it was just like. It's so soft the sand that every step forward you just slid back down like it was just impossible to get up but you're grinning yeah. obviously at the bottom of that so that was probably the first day I think we we went up there but that's always happens though when you see the photographer I mean, <laughs> all the pain goes away and you spot them and you start smiling no I saw you so, smiling um... on every occasion <laughs> <laughs> that sand was really tough though you like you're saying like it, the soft bit then you sort of learn towards the end that you sort of walk in like other people's footsteps and, yeah so, yeah know, i learned that on that. the on the dune as well that was definitely a yeah. good tip at the top you're just like why do you not tell me that at the, at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but then the next day we came down there didn't we yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I, Sorry. I, I feel like we're almost having a personal conversation here, like we're kind of intruding on some, some old catch up. We've not properly introduced Marcus. Yes, no, that was me uh, starting uh, to introduce him uh, and I'm just uh, waffling on about Peru. We can talk about Peru um, uh -huh. at, at some point. And if people are joining us live on YouTube, you can fire questions across to Marcus and we'll, we'll be asking Marcus questions. But so, how can. Trying to think of a, an appropriate kind of title. So you're known as the Marathon Marcus on Instagram. Yeah. And you have quite yeah. a large presence on Instagram. You've got quite a few followers there. You're quite active on there. Really kind of great at encouraging people. You do a podcast. You're a marathon runner. Kind of bit of trail running. Maybe venturing into kind of MDS kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And you're kind of really well known for... That, that, that marathon plus you're you're a dad um and you work full-time as well yeah yeah <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going on yeah. <laughs> a lot and you're based down in london as as well yeah so yeah, uh, but in fairness though like I, I find that a lot of the people i meet you know on these uh, amazing races uh have got a lot going on in their lives as well yeah so i, so, I mean i don't want to make myself seem like i'm any more special than anyone else but you seem to have a, a way of kind of sharing your story don't you um, and being an honest about it as well, because your, your first marathon time kind of 
yeah, it was, you know, wasn't anything special, but you seem to have caught the marathon bug. So when, how did the marathons come into your life? Um, so I started running for a bet to do a 10K. Um, then I did a couple of 10Ks, half marathons to kind of build up my confidence. And yeah. then I went into uh, my first marathon, which was Abingdon. I think I ran about 4.15. I should know this, but I, I can't remember that time. <laughs> and then I ran a couple more. But I just did a lot of rookie mistakes. I didn't really know what I was doing. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I know 100% now what I'm doing. I, I think I just know a lot more than I did then. Yeah. I think because you're always learning from each race. So, yeah, I kind of got into the bike. Well, it sort of bit me. And, yeah, I've been trying to, well, I'm not to say improve, but just kind of get more comfortable with it every time because it's like this thing that you can't contain type thing. You can't always control it. So, um, and it's just, it's a lot of fun sometimes to sort of dive into that and just sort of see how you kind of react to it. Also, at the beginning, it's, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's getting a little bit more, more kind of accepted for what it is. It's getting a bit more interesting. Uh, what year was that you first of Abingdon then? 2008, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, and so how long was that from when you actually started running? You said that you started with some 10Ks. I mean, was that quite soon before then? So my first race, the 10K, was in 2006. Oh, right. So, yeah, it was a couple of years before I kind of built up my confidence. Because it's quite a scary thing, even at that time, you know, when you're running at 10K, that seemed to me like it seemed like a very long distance to run. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. when you're running, like, from, like, lamppost to lamppost, you've not, you know done anything at school like that it, it's everything seems like <laughs> like gargantuan I mean um then it just took me a while to kind of get my confidence up to kind of do the halves and even that you're thinking wow I've got to do that times two I'm not quite sure so yeah it took a lot of um you know I think a lot of steps to get to the full marathon itself you kind of alluded there about kind of doing sports at school were you, were you sporty at school um, more like football, a little bit of rugby, not so much running so much. And then I went to university and then, yeah, just kind of, <laughs> the sports has stopped. <laughs> yeah, I, I recognise that story. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, cool. Like, I've still got it, I've still got it. You sort of try to run and you just like die after like running a couple of metres. It's like, And were you trying to run like Mo Farah, like completely flat out as well? Like, how hard can I do this run? Well... In my mind, it probably looked like it was going flat out. But if you're watching it, it just looked probably like a slow motion. Like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like but even when you're running a marathon at the end, you sort of think you're going full out and you're just like, no, no, it's still coming. <laughs> so that's, yeah. That's like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so, I mean, it's a lot of people when they start 10K running that they either kind of stick at 10Ks for quite a while or, you know, do 5Ks. So how come did you go from 10Ks to, to marathons in two years? Was it just the, the challenge of the event? Yeah, it's more the challenge rather than the time because I didn't have a, a running watch for quite a long period of time. I don't even in my first London marathon in 2010, I didn't have a running watch or a train with a running watch. I was just basically using my my phone to I think work out the mileage and whatever it was. Um, so I wasn't really doing it for uh, trying to get fast. It was just more the accomplishment of just doing the marathon and what that represented. I think that was the time when. I don't want to sound old, but I'm not that old, but I think when marathons seem to be quite impressive when you told people at work, now no one really cares. I like, why do a marathon before I came to work? Oh. <laughs> and what was it about doing the marathon, or how had you been inspired to do that? Was the people that you knew that had run marathons, or was it something else? 
probably most likely the London Marathon, watching it on the BBC, I think mm. was probably the big inspiration. Because I think before you looked at marathons and thought, oh, those people don't look like me. Um, just obviously from colour to point of the way. I know people say, yeah, but you've got like, you know, the Ethiopians and Kenyans, but I'm not, that's not where I'm from. I don't relate to those guys as runners. So yeah. um, I, it's sort of someone from London that I can sort of relate to. So um, yeah, it just sort of took a while to kind of get into it. And then I saw, like I said, the London Marathon and I was really inspired by the people that I saw, just like everyday people running for courses close to their heart. And you thought, well, if, well, if they can do it, then why am I limiting myself to, to, to not doing it? Then you then you go for it and you're like, wow, this is, this is something else. <laughs> but it's quite a, quite a bold step to take though, isn't it as well? Like that kind of, you know, to challenge yourself to step up. Scary. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so did you have, so you, your, your first one, did you have a plan? Did you follow a schedule or did you just kind of go, oh, just run as and when? I think I tried to follow stuff online and I, because I'm quite um, an independent type person, so it's more like I'm going to do it my way. And also there was a kind of naivety um, as well, running thinking, oh, coaches are for other people, not for me, type of thing. So I never thought I was, you know, that was for me. So I was just trying to do it myself. Um, so I kind of, you know, fumbled my way through it and, you know, did all the rookie mistakes, got injured, not, didn't really, but then you don't know what you don't know. And um, I think when I started working with my coach actually later on, then it kind of helped um, just get to where I needed to do quicker than obviously doing it by myself. So what were the sort of mistakes that you made? Was it just training too fast, too much? Uh, yeah, so all those things, yeah. So I, did, I tried to run every like run faster than the day before, yeah. not really respecting fueling. I know some of the old school runners would be like, well, I took some water and I ran a marathon. And I ran, <laughs> but, like, you know, or a glass, glass of red wine, even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just tried to run everything too quickly, didn't really expect the fueling, didn't really understand the differences of training, you know, the, the different types of zones that you run in. And yeah, I just, I think I was just more brute force than anything else. So um, it got me so far, but then, you know, the marathon exposes you, um, not in a, in a horrible way, but it just shows you where your weak points are. And at the time, I wasn't quite mature enough to kind of see what it was teaching me. I just thought, you know, if you do this, then you'll you'll conquer it. But even now, you'll never conquer the marathon. Like, as, much, as fit as you can be and you can do all the work, you can never go into it like 100% be like, I've so got this. <laughs> you might be like 90-something percent because you know your training's gone well, but mm. there's always that 10% you're like, okay, I can respect what's going to come up. So... Um, but I mean, I don't regret it. I mean, I, I went into it, I, I wanted to do the challenge and, you know, for me, that was, that was what was, that's what it was about really. So how did you feel after you finished? Um, the first one was just amazing. You just had that amazing runner's high and you're just like, wow, I, I did that. It's like the, the thing that scared you that you, you've done it, you know, um, Unfortunately, I don't have many photos from that first marathon, but um, I think there's one photo I did have. It was, I was in my, like, my football kit. I was um, going to say, we've had some size. great ones. I think we had Lizzie Hawker and her describing her first race, and there, was, there wasn't a piece of running kit <laughs> there. So, yeah, that sounds great. No, there was all no, nothing running about. It looked it literally looked like I was a sub from a five-a-side. <laughs> shin pads. Jumped on. Yeah. Just in Mine case. Shin pads shoes, but I didn't have the right running shoes, and, yeah, it was just... <laughs> obviously the right running shoes I mean that's 
depending on what person you speak to really so that's another topic but yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I looked like a football player <laughs> brilliant but was there any point during that first marathon you can remember you were just like did you ever kind of go what am I doing this for or were you just kind of just you sound to me it's very kind of explorative and inquisitive about yeah. how you're feeling your emotions so were you just kind of enjoying that opportunity to explore yourself I mean that's an interesting question you ask it because like it's like trying to go back into the past to remember where you were and not cloud it with your thoughts of where you are today. Yeah. And if I try to go back, I mean, I can only give a really limited answer, but I was so uh, fearful. I remember being so nervous because you just don't know what you're going into. The build-up, you've got those nerves and you start it. You don't really know what you're doing. You're just kind of going by feel. Yeah. And everything is new. You're going, you're running further than you've ever done in training so everything is new and you just it's just the new emotions of the physical discomfort all the emotions of just the mental challenges of the chatter going what are you doing this hurts stop <laughs> like just like you think oh my gosh 18 like you're 18 miles whereas before you'd be like you'd be like oh 21 miles left whereas i think i just looked at it in a different way um i wouldn't say like a negative way but just trying to complete it and just it's just been overwhelming you're trying to like eat this massive meal and like you know you're not breaking up whereas now i kind of look at it slightly different i try to break it into smaller chunks um where then it was just very overwhelming and just everything's you know experiencing it for the first time but then you did it it you did it again like how soon did you sign up for your next one i think it was probably the following year and that one was i think i ran like slower but um and but i never really kind of improved because i was just really going by sort of brute force and Mm not really respecting the the process and like sometimes people say to me now like oh what are you training for and I'm I don't want to come across like I'm being arrogant but you're always training you're always in some sort of state of some sort of cycle as before mm-hmm. I was just like oh I'll just run for three months four months then I'll stop and I'll get back into it and that's what I was doing I was making a lot of those same mistakes but I just didn't know any better I thought you could just jump into it at 16 weeks and <laughs> just kept repeating the, the cycle of pain <laughs> so often. And, just, and you think at some, at some point you've got to learn, but it's like, no, just keep trying to like force it through. Like, you kind of think like, I'm going like, to dominate this thing, but it's not something you dominate. It's, it's something that really humbles you. And then I think uh, it took me you know, a long time for me to kind of really respect the distance and to take it a bit more seriously. And were you doing all that on your own or did you have kind of, a running club or friends that were runners at the same time yeah so for me when I grew up I mean running wasn't really that encouraged it wasn't something that my friends did or my parents were into so I know people would say like oh it's the running club and things like that but it wasn't something that's part of my uh, my background and and something I didn't really feel comfortable doing because it didn't really this wasn't something I grew up grew up doing so um even now it's kind of I still kind of don't really, you know, run within in a, a running club. I've got people I run with and uh, do tempo runs and, you know, I've got a coach and things like that. But it's, at the time, I just didn't have that, that, that help and that access, really. So how soon was it then when you, so you said you got a coach? So how soon was it that you decided then that a coach was the solution maybe to kind of stop doing the self-harming and maybe kind of... Bit, yeah, definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again, isn't it? With the same result. So, yeah. kind of breaking out of that cycle. What point did you go? A coach is what I need. Okay. 
So probably my first London Marathon, I'll probably give a bit of a build up. So my first London Marathon, I ran it in 4.55 and I made like all the mistakes um, that you could do. I mean, I was, you know, it's like when you first run London Marathon, like so busy, Justin, and I was just dodging and weaving, sprinting past and just, I just blew up spectacularly and I just paid for it for the rest of the, the marathon. And then towards the end of the year, I got a place to run Berlin. And this is the time when you could just enter Berlin. <laughs> Not like how the mains are like now. It's just absolutely crazy to get in. Yeah. And I got a place there and I was trying to break sub four. And I ran, I think, 404. And I remember the sub four paces passed me and that just broke me. And I was just like, and I was just like, I just couldn't shake it. I was just like, it just broke me. And I just got to the end. Four or four. It's still a big jump from four fifty-five down to four or four. Yeah. And at the time, I hated running. And reflecting now, it's not that I hated running. It's just that running revealed something about myself that I needed to work on, and I just didn't really realise it at the time because I was just trying to chase these goals and trying to chase the next thing, the next thing. And after running Berlin, I actually stopped running for several years because I needed to kind of do some work myself and just work out why I was. Kind of, I mean, running was another aspect of me just trying to overachieve, uh, trying to keep doing things to do more. I mean, we were all kind of, I can't speak for other people, but the way I was sort of grew up was to kind of like, you've always got to be on it, you've always got to be grinding, you've always got to be working. It's these things that you can control. And the running and the marathon, the first thing that actually showed me actually, you know, you really need to step back and respect it. Um, obviously, there's other things in life, but I think running, specific a marathon, like, it's, it's, it's such a big thing. So um, no matter what stadium and what film I'm now, and I, I always respect it. Um, so kind of to come back to your question where I got a coach, so I had that period of time, then I came back into running. London Marathon again, I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, I, I, you've got that nostalgia again after a couple of years, got back into it, and then I found my coach uh, probably about 2015, 2016, I think it was. Um, I think it was 2016, because it was before I ran Chicago. Um, and yeah, that we've been working together for at least four years, I think now, three, four years. So it's been really, it's been a really good relationship, and it's helped me a lot. Brilliant. So when you was in that kind of period of, of no running, did you did you miss running, or did you have so much you were trying to work out yourself that you, you, you didn't? Because you talk to a lot of runners, like when they get injured or when they have to take time out, and it's almost kind of like they've lost a limb, and a lot of runners fear having to have time off. Did you miss it? I don't think I really developed a relationship with running properly then. I was just running to achieve the marathon or achieve the medal. Mm. I wasn't running because I enjoyed it or I, I loved it. I mean, it's even, I mean you're not going to love running every day. Um, and it's going to sometimes you, you like a lot less. But I, I, just, I was running for the, the wrong reason. I wasn't running uh, for the reason that I am now. Um, and I don't want to come across as arrogant because you're always still learning, you're always still on it, developing. I mean, like where I'm now is not going to be where I'm later, and you know what I mean. So I think I just needed to spend some time just to kind of go back to why I, I enjoyed running and seeing the London Marathon again was really pivotal because you just sort of saw people doing it for something bigger themselves for the joy, the enjoyment. I thought, oh, I, I really want to try to connect with that thing as opposed to kind of. Um, just running the marathon to complete it. For me, it was never about the times. It was just about completing it and getting another medal and getting another medal and just having this sort of horde of <laughs> marathons. <laughs> so, I don't 
don't know if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just yeah, really, really interesting because you speak to some runners when they're injured or having to have time off and stuff like that, and it, yeah, they seem almost kind of mournful or they kind of seem really aggrieved that they can't they can't run. So it's just interesting, yeah. you know, to meet a runner who's taken that time out and not been like, yeah, no, I've really missed it. Uh, but it's like you say, your motivation for doing the running or doing the marathons. Um, was in some respects not always that, that 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 kind of healthy. So you started working with a coach. Yeah. Um, was it kind of like a complete revelation? A kind of like, well, this is you know, was it a very different way to how you'd been running previously? Yeah. So it was structure, and it was a little bit of mindset things as well. And yeah, I mean, the, what you spoke about before with like runners getting disappointed about injuries and not running I'm, I've gone through those periods as well but I feel like even with recent injuries I've learned to kind of manage that a lot better mm. and be a bit more I guess balanced about this where you are in relation to things and you know just trying to do the best of what you can and where you are it's not always easy but you know at the time you kind of think it's your everything but I guess to kind of answer your question about my coach we kind of really went back to basics in terms of learning about why you run certain paces and how long you run them for and what the purpose is. I was always asked questions like, why are we doing this run? Why are we not doing this? Why am I not doing more miles? Because the thing is, you look at other people and think, oh, why? They're doing 60 miles a week. Why am I not doing 60 miles a week? I could do 60 miles a week. You secretly don't want to do 60 miles a week. You don't want to do 60 miles a week. And so, um, yeah, so it was really good to kind of get that um, understanding, deep understanding, because although you can do it yourself, you know, if you're working with someone, you just get the information a lot quicker. Then, if the relationship doesn't work, then you haven't really lost anything because you need to know one way that doesn't work for you. Mm. But you know, working with my coach has been really good, and even just the mental stuff as well, um, in terms of just how you see workouts and injuries, and just being able to put things into context. It's like sometimes at the way in the beginning, you'd be like, "Oh, I've had a bad run, so that must be this or must be that." But now it's just like you see it in a bigger context. It's like, okay. How did that session go? Um, what factors were involved? How did the week go? How did the month go? What good things did you learn from that? Like today, um, I did a run today. Um, if I would have done the same one probably two years ago, I would have had a completely different impact. You know, just different thought process about it. But I was able to kind of think, okay, these are things I do really well, and now we passed it and we moved on. So um, whereas before it'd be like something you'd be like, oh, but it doesn't mean like I don't care about the workout. It's just like you you can't hold on to these things because the same thing is like if something goes really well and you hold on to that you know they're kind of, they're kind of like both impossible really like the good and bad you just really have to now you just have to do the best with where you are right now yeah yeah definitely so if there's some weird sighing or snoring we have Sherlock the beagle the beagle <laughs> in between us who you're grateful that it's, you can only hear him because he rolled in fox poo earlier this morning and he still stinks even though he's been in the bath um, but if there's some sighing and snoring going on, it's not me and Jen zoning out. It's, it's just the beagle between us who's kind of getting himself comfy um, a, a minute ago. So, yeah, sorry, I lost my, my trail of thought there. So getting back well. to your kind of marathon journey, we've got that you kind of had these horrific ones or not so great ones. You took some time out, but then you came back and started working with a coach. So yes. how did those times um, come down to what we know that you can do now? Mm. Um, and what period of time was that? Gosh, that's a good, good question. Um, 
So there was quite a period of time. So I think from about 2017 onwards, it's, it's things started to improve, I'd say. So I was getting down to like the low, well, 330s and then working my way down to kind of sub three. It took me a while to get to sub three. So I broke sub three last year. But I mean, it's only now we look back, you join the dots, that you actually realise how all those experiences and all those races helped the runner that uh, helped me break sub three. So, for example, when I ran like Boston Marathon 2018, the weather was horrendous. Oh, I think we found a photo of you running in some horrendous <laughs> rain and assumed it was Boston. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> We're putting that up on the screen now. You won't yeah. be able to see that. But, yeah, we can so see you that, there. <laughs> yeah, so that really helped with um, running Dorney Lake last year because it was really windy and, and raining. Um, and even like running London and, you know, the first time I ran London, I, like I said, I felt just like, I felt weak because like you get these thoughts that go, stop, you can't do this. And then at that time, I was just like, okay, you, you must be right. <laughs> but now when the thoughts come in, and especially in the races, not all the time, but you can just, you, you entertain a little bit more. You're just like, okay, cool. So you think this is what the case is. And then you just have a little bit of back and forth. Sometimes you can just shut it down sometimes you just have to like stay there it's like a guest coming to your house and you're just like okay give him some drink then they leave and you're like okay cool good to go so, like, all those marathons and all those races like now i can look back and be like even the ones that really sucked i'm like actually i've learned so much from them and it's funny when people go oh yeah but you look so strong and you, you do all this sort of stuff now that wasn't something I, I didn't read a book and be like oh now i'm mentally strong do you know what i mean it's just like all the experiences and all the training as well, I think that helps make you um, just a lot stronger. I mean, for me, but some people get it quicker, um, but for me, it just took that period of time to, to, to get where I am now, and I'm still learning, and it's still going, and it's, it's still a, an ongoing thing, so. And you're talking about how your motivations had changed, but obviously, mm. like, we're like, woo, you got your sub three marathon and things, but that must have been mm. a goal for you. Are you, are you saying that that wasn't the main goal and you had other reasons for doing the race? So it's a good question. So I think uh, time goals are really good, but at the same time, they can't be your main why because it's going to sound really wishy-washy. <laughs> I just want to give some context because if your goal is just a specific time and you're training that time, potentially you could be limiting yourself to how fast you could go. So you have to have the goal in mind, but not be like, that is my everything type thing. So I had that in, in mind, but then you're still thinking alongside that, every day I'm just going to go out and run my best and see my best website and see what happens. And then it's these, these kind of two paths sort of concurrently going along the line and then once you get closer to the marathon, you you know, if you're trying to work to be your best, but then you're trying to work towards this goal time, um, and then you kind of see where you are. Sometimes, like, just letting things happen as they, as they go, as one of the, the program, you might be further along. So it's kind of a balance between being like, this is my time goal, but then obviously, let's just see how good I can be. Sometimes you might not, you might be further ahead than you think you are, and you just have to kind of check back and just run what that is. But I think you have to have, like, different whys, uh, you know, for different days. I mean, every day you're not going to get out of bed thinking, I can't wait, like, you know, <laughs> some 6.50 pace. I mean, like, I can't wait to do that today. Or you know I mean, sometimes it's cold, it's high. That's just not enough motivation, you know. Yeah. We've all been there. You get up in the morning, go training. I think for me, some of the hardest runs are the runs after the, the workouts because, like, they, your legs are just, like, dead. And in the middle of winter, it's cold. It's like, oh, man. Those are the tough ones. So you have to have a different re why for different days and yeah. um, 
I think they that's okay that they can change as well. Uh, I don't think they stay static. I think because you know you change as a person. Yeah. So, but also you've got to enjoy it though. Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, that's a key motivator, isn't it? Especially as you say in the winter, um, still trying to find the enjoyment and the fun of it. But so you you ran four fifteen. But was there a certain point then when your coach said to you, "Look, Marcus, I think three thirty is definitely on the cards." And then three was it kind of the way the training was developing in something like maybe what certain tempo runs you was doing? You could see your pace coming down, a certain effort that so you actually were then starting to think because a lot of people will tend to either just pull a number out for the marathon or will then just kind of go, well, this is where I'm probably as a runner and that's, yeah. gonna, you know, 3.30 is my, my kind of stable yeah. point. That's where I'm going to go. But to kind of like take an hour and a quarter off and, well, even more than that and go sub three, that's really kind of exciting in that kind of time period. But there must have been a point where your coach must have said to you, I, th- I think you can definitely do 3.30 or I think you can definitely, or was that something you were discovering for yourself? It's a really good question, actually, about just other people's influences and how it can even uh, push you forward and limit you. So before talking talk to you about my coach, I had a coach before, I think, a very short period of time, and he got me to do this uh, training fitness thing, and he worked out, and he's putting stuff in his spreadsheet, and he's printing it out, and went, okay, based on your times, you should probably run, like, your maximum would be, like, a 3.15 marathon, or one forty half, and these sort of times. Like, okay, cool, that's my limit, and... And then I was working with my coach, and he made me see me run, and he was like, I think you could run, like, way under three hours. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you drinking? Are you smoking? <laughs> thinking about my old coach and thinking 315 yeah. was my limit. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's really cool that, you know, you meet someone that sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. Mm. And he's kind of, like, helped sort of take that limiter off. I'm not saying I've gone completely crazy. I'm like... I'm going to be doing, you know, um, I, I don't want to limit myself, I mean, saying something completely ridiculous, but sometimes we can limit ourselves and we just need to dream big. And it's like something like, like Patty Dillon, I spoke to in my podcast, first woman to break sub 230 in a marathon. And one of the things that she says, she says, encouraging people is like, just dream bigger. Because even when she was competing, she's like, there's things that I did that limited myself. Um, I just think that's why I go back to like what I talked to you before about having the time goal, but also being in the moment to be like how good could I be yeah. sometimes it's about pushing that needle further forward as well um, I think you know rather than kind of being limited by the time because when you think about the times they're kind of arbitrary type things that you know when we think about like why is sub three important if you think about it like, why why is that important and if you go back to the the, the rapid distance like why is it 26.2 because obviously you know you know the London Olympics because you know the Royal Family wants to see us run that 305 yards when the force like 26 miles or 25 miles and yeah. all these sort of things that we, we do without really asking why we're doing it um, so sometimes it's about being able to sort of take that just take that away and just, just be like how good can I be and I think that's basically what my coach has got me to be uh, think about it. it's like well actually no you're really limiting yourself there not in a negative way but yeah, you yeah. could be so much further than you, your thinking is allowing you to be but that must have been quite motivational as well though to have a coach to say that that you know not like we're kind of saying it it's good to, you know we always want our egos inflated but that yeah. must have kind of put a bit of a, a spring in your step for a couple of weeks or even when you start hitting the hard sessions were you were you using that as a motivator or were you just kind of like that kind of helped you in that relationship if he has this kind of idea of what i could potentially be doing um 
motivation one is a tricky one because obviously anyone can gas you up and tell you you can do this or you can do that but ultimately training is down to you yeah and you and the results speak for themselves you can blame other stuff but you've still got to do the work yeah like you could tell me like well because you could run a 210 marathon (laughs) okay great but i still got to get off my chair and you know put that motivation on the side and actually got to do the work yeah when it really is uncomfortable and i don't want to do it so it's great that for me yeah it's great that someone believes in you yeah and then then i think it definitely it definitely unlocks something in myself because you have to have that drive and that will to, to want to do it and you know, it's kind of helped re-unlock something that was in me. Because before, like I said, I was, was in the marathon, but I was kind of really harsh to myself. I was like, I'm weak for having these thoughts. Like, you should not have them. But actually, the weakness is not having the thoughts. It's just like thinking that, that that's the truth. You're just like, actually, this is a complete lie. Like, like even stupid things like I do, like, uh, say if I'm running and it's really windy, I just have these games with myself. I think, oh, it's like, I'm like a sieve. And like, just pick up your legs. And... And it sounds ridiculous, but like you, you do realize actually you can just you stop thinking about the resistance and you just start trusting yourself a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it's all the kind of the mental sort of things that, that work. It's not like a mental tips, tricks type thing. It's just being like, actually, I'm good enough. I belong here, and I have I have what I need for right now. I might have to slow down a bit, but I've got what I need for right now. And I think that's what my coach helped me kind of unlock within myself and like. Someone can unlock it, but you have to walk through that door and do the work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that that's so true. Uh, and yeah, that that kind of yeah, it sounds like if you come, if you come across the the chimp paradox, the Steve Steve yeah. Pete, so that kind of yeah, I, I love your analogy of talking about a guest coming in the house and you just having to <laughs> to kind of give them a cup of tea to kind of pass a button and then and then the yeah. guests leave because yeah, cause it's it's so true. And so like when you did Peru, was that a different mindset then or? Because like Jen was saying, you were kind of grinning away, enjoying being kind of running around the sand dunes of, of Peru and on the beach. Um, was that mindset the same there or was it more just this is a great opportunity, look at where I'm being able to run at the moment? You make it sound like it was like Baywatch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what happened? You, you go, you and John would shoot off and then I'd catch you up a bit later and then just you'd be having like the best time ever. And I'd be like, I just want this to end. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think for, for all of us, like John and Jill as well, like we kind of committed that we were going to finish it together, start and finish it together. So you were strong for numbers. And then you have the periods of time where you know that someone's going to be stronger and someone's going to be weaker, and you all kind of like help each other. And John was really good at it as well, just kind of um, completely rookie to, to doing that, uh, you know, just being there to be like, okay, remember to have your drinks, remember to have your salt tablets, these kind of little things. And these little stage things that you do help kind of break down the, the big distances. But at the same time, one was in Peru, and you probably know as well, like when you're, you know, because I'm running in London, you know, you're running in this school concrete jungle type thing and it's just like everything feels on top of you but when you're in Peru it's like wow like this is incredible like I am part of something so much bigger and like you just can't help but be in awe of just where you are and it's, it's just like absolutely incredible so even though it, there were moments where it's really difficult and it's like tough like the, like the sandstorms and stuff just when you stop and think this is incredible and the funny enough actually when we finished it it was actually quite sad going back to like regular life and having to like get your phones and do stuff because it was such a simple way of life like you, you know you like the night before you prepared your kit you had your dinner you knew what you were doing in the morning you got you prepared your kit you went and it was just like 
a really nice way to live, a simple way of just stripping back all the unnecessary stuff and just going back to like why we run and just being a part of nature and something that you don't always get to do running in, in life. So like for me, I really enjoyed it because I just completely took the time element away. Um, but saying that though, there was one incident where, <laughs> it's going to make you laugh actually talking about time, I got a time penalty because um, someone chucked their bottle of water in my tent. And you know, like if you've got extra bottles and you get penalised, oh. and I was just like, I was looking at the time, I was going, how the hell am I 30 minutes down? So thankfully it got sorted out. Um, but <laughs> that, was, that was the only time I got like my competitive bit came out. Did you kick off? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay. is that because I think no one likes to be called a cheat. You know I mean? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. The injustice so, of it all. Yeah. The injustice. Uh, is it, do you ever fancy doing any more? multi-stage racing do you fancy the full mds or something like cape breath or some of the ultra x yeah definitely i think i i want to do the full mds i want to do some others but the way that i look at it is i kind of want to give running is is such a funny thing everyone thinks oh you just do a mile you do a 5k you do a 10k a marathon you just switch between distances you can do it but for me i feel like i want to be able to look back and be like the marathon distance i gave it my best shot and then once I feel like I've got to kind of the place where that, that, that is, then I kind of want to take that forward into the ultra. Because uh, I feel like obviously the training, because to do an ultra or you know, trail racing, you need to be strong, not just like, not just ment- like physically, but mentally. And you just need to have those years of training uh, behind you. And I think sometimes people jump into it too soon because they're quite enthusiastic, which, is, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just like trying to respect the process of being like, you know, to be... And, you know, to have longevity, you kind of need to respect the process. So I kind of want to do my thing in the marathon, but then I want to want to move into the ultras. I kind of wanted to go into it a bit sooner, but it's just this is life, you know. I, you know, it's taken me a bit longer than I wanted to kind of get to where I'm the marathon. I've still got some goals that I want to achieve in this distance, and uh, yeah, I kind of want to stick with that first. But there's so many temptations, like you know, to run other races. You're just like, oh, I so want to do it. But yeah. You know that how awkward that conversation could be with you and your coach, and you're like. Oh, uh, I want to do this. Like, like, you said you want to do this. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a conversation we have with lots yeah, of our well, athletes, and we kind of almost yeah. feel a bit bad, kind of cutting people's race calendars down for you, especially for ultra marathons, because you just can't, you know, how long it takes to recover from a marathon, um, yeah. ultra marathons. So, what? So, what's your? Are, are you able to say what your goal is with a marathon? Do you? What's your ultimate? Is it two ten? Are we talking two ten there? Um, that connection with um, dr ferrari hey? um, yeah, exactly some doctors and some yeah i don't know i think at the minute i want to i want to get a london championship place so for me like so london marathon has been like such a big part of my um marathon journey and just like a narrative so to go from 455 to then owning a good for age place one is amazing, mm. and, and that's, that's amazing for me. And the next stage is trying to earn, well, not try, but I'm working to earn a, a championship place. Um, it's dropped mm. quite mm. a bit of time, so since obviously with COVID and getting more competitive. Um, so for me, that's <laughs> the dog. Sorry, <laughs> it's not us. It's just it's just a beagle. I'm so sorry. That's the dog. <laughs> Talking about running again in the house, and he gets like, oh, here we go. That's, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, so yeah, the, the championship place is my is my my next stage. But then you know what cycles like running? You're like, oh, I'm only two minutes away from there. Maybe I can push it further. Push it further. But 
at the minute, I'm not looking beyond the championship place, and it's 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 you know it's taking some time and some effort to get to it because you you do some uh, tempo work and you think, wow, that was good. It felt hard, and man, I've got to do that times two plus more. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's just yeah, it's going to take some time, but I'm 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 up for the the journey. And how did COVID um, and all the race cancellations affect your plans? Did you were you halfway through training for something when um, March and the lockdown struck last year? So yeah, so the original aim was to run the London Marathon last year. Obviously, for the right reasons, it was postponed. And then I was looking at other races, and then Dorney came up. And yeah, so that was kind of my main focus towards the end of last year, which was which was really good. Um, but like everyone at the start, you're kind of a little bit of a bit lost because you know you've taken away some of your motivations to run, and then you're having to really kind of dig deep into kind of why you're running. I remember I had one session, and mentally I'm just like, what, what what am I doing this for? You know, you ask yourself that question, and you stop. And I think sometimes when you're doing a session, you, I don't want to say suffer is the right word, but you have to be in the place to be like, I'm going to go into the world and stay there. Yeah. And I started running, and I was just like. Put my foot in the world, I was like, nah. <laughs> and I stopped. I was like, nah. And I was just like, okay, cool. And sometimes it's okay to stop and be like, just, just stop that session, go home, yeah. think about it, talk to your coach, talk to people around you, just kind of get yourself thinking in, in the kind of in a better mind frame mm. to kind of come back and attack it. And then after that session, after that session, I stopped. You know, you don't lose too much. And then I went the next one, and I was absolutely fine. So. Um, I think that's an important thing to, to especially during like the COVID thing. Also, another thing about COVID as well. I recently did a half marathon. Um, I, obviously, it's going to affect people in different ways. But I had my second jab, and, and some people have had different effects. The first and second. The first jab was fine. Second jab I had. I was in a half marathon, and um, I think like three days beforehand, it literally just knocked me out. Like, it felt like I'd been run over by a, a truck, and like. Even easy runs felt really difficult, and yeah. you know what? Like us runners are like, we're just like, we're gonna do it. Have you seen like the sketch of the Black Knight in the uh, Monty Python? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Off, like, yeah. Just from <laughs> <by> a scratch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got no arms, you got no legs. I'm like, well, I'm fine. Come back here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was me basically lining up for the half hour, and I was just like, I'll be fine. And then the first mile was like, this is gonna be a hard day. But you suffered through it, so I got through it, and I did it, and then. You know, a couple of days later, I felt back to normal. But I mean, I would just encourage anyone. I always don't always take my own advice. Just like listen to your body. My body is <laughs> to run. I was like, no, I will run. I will get through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kind of saying about having experiences suffering for the marathon. That's definitely an opportunity and experience to say this is what full suffering. It's like if I can yeah. suffer that half marathon post jab then the marathon's going to be an absolute breeze. So have you got a marathon lined up to... Yeah, so London this year. So um, so that's in October kind of this year. Yeah, October this year. And actually this Saturday, I'm taking part in the Meet the Experts panel. Um, so we'll be talking about like beginner, uh, sort of advice for beginners. I'm going to be talking about my first marathon, just basically everything that I... I would advise you not to do. That's fine. <laughs> so... You make the mistakes so that everybody else doesn't have to. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just learning and also I just want people to enjoy it. Uh, that actually leads into, sorry, to one of the questions that we've got from um, 
YouTube. So one of the live listeners, hi Keith. He says, hello Marcus, I'm an African-American trail runner here in SoCal, I'm assuming that's South California. Um, how do I get involved in what you're doing? So what's that sort of advice for people listening in and wanting to um, suffer as much as you do in the marathons? <laughs> Uh, hi Keith, so thanks for joining in. So I'm not sure if you sort of asking whether you want to get into trail running or into the marathon running. Mm, it kind of is, yeah, I think it's kind of that, that trail running. Okay, um, so I'm one of the co-founders of a group called Black Trail Runners, and we set up as a, well, we soon set up as a, a running club, but we've also set up as a charity. And you can find us on Instagram and kind of follow what we're doing. Some of our team members uh, recently ran the Ramsey Rounds. I saw um, that. Basically, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, they did a great job there. And um, yeah, just get involved with us on, on Instagram. We've got a Facebook group and, you know, we're just trying to encourage people to get involved. And I know one of the big sort of things that come up is like, this is black and, and the names, people going, well, that's not inclusive, blah, blah, blah. White allies, whatever, like, you're all welcome to join. The whole point is that it's just creating a, a space for people who don't feel represented to be part of something and the whole idea was for it to kind of not be a thing and you know, actually disband and actually just be a running group because most uh, running clubs are generally focused towards kind of the white kind of runners and kind of thing. When we spoke to you about, did you, you said to me, did you not join a running club? I was like, well, when I was younger, I didn't even think that was an option for me. Yeah. Um, so we kind of want to change the narrative and hopefully get to the stage where everyone feels like it is a, you know, a space for them and then they can kind of you look at entry fields and people doing especially ultra marathons there's not a huge amount of diversity in the sport is there unfortunately and yeah you know, the trails are there for everybody aren't they and an amazing yeah. place to go running and but if you've yeah. not had that opportunity like you're saying like a childhood um of being given that opportunity to explore stuff like that then you guys are yeah. you know encouraging people and yeah giving a way you know means and ways of doing it so cool yeah so hopefully keith i think somebody else has Conscious Gears reached out to Keith as well, um, who's based out in uh, Arizona. So uh, I'm sure they might be able to hook up and uh, always leave a comment on the, the YouTube channel or get in touch with Marks on Instagram and, and find out. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there's probably similar groups out in America uh, as well. So you can kind of connect into. And so, just... We've got American members as well. So ah, cool. They're free yeah. I just wanted to. Um, just because we're running out of time, but chat about your podcast because yeah. it seems like you kind of spent a lot of time not running and then suddenly <laughs> running becomes this huge thing and you've now done like 100 episodes of A Runner's Life. So how did the podcast start? 
uh, I think it's just like the runner mindset, isn't it? You think I'm going to start something and then to commit to it for several, several years and see what happens. And for me, it was just more the fact of what I said, I'm going to start a podcast uh, because I like, you know, having conversations. There's a way to connect with people yeah. and a way to learn from people as well. And I thought, okay, if I give myself um, uh, like a, a, a time scale, then I'll commit to it every week. And it's just kind of snowballed on. So I never really started thinking, I want to get to 100 and whatever. It's just more like, let's do it for a year and see how it goes. I think at the beginning, I tried to do too much and then I scaled back a little bit more. But yeah, the conversations have been amazing and you learn a lot about yourself and you learn about your filler words and the things that you use between when asking questions, which is really annoying when you're listening back to yourself. I hate listening back. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I hope he's not it's taking amazing. notes like, on after the amazing. It's not amazing. Stop saying it's amazing. It's not amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, well, I would describe your podcast as having um, quite a broad mixture. It's kind of got elite runners, but it's got some just what we'd look at as ordinary runners. It's got runners with a story. Is that how you set about with the podcast, just getting that mix? Yeah, I mean, it's basically, I, I don't want to sort of, you know, be too simple about it, but the, the idea was to talk about a runner's life. Yep. So my Instagram page, I talk about what my my feelings of a runner's life means to me. And I wanted to speak to a wide range of people. So just to sort of show listeners that, like, regardless if you're elite or you're not elite, the reasons why we actually run are fairly similar mm. you know, because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel connected. It makes us feel grounded. Uh, and it has such a big impact on our lives when you take out time and things like that. Obviously, I can bear in mind that there's people that are running competitively, so it's a different thing, you know, there is the fun, but then there's a serious aspect that they have to hit certain times to do certain things to get sponsorship money and whatnot. Um, so it's not, you know, just kind of like uh, sort of circle of love where we're all holding hands and we're all running <laughs> with the sunset. But um, I try to sort of show like a different side of, of running that I just, I just want people to feel like it's a space for them and, and be connected in a wider way. And yeah, I just learned so many lessons from people. And a lot of the questions I, I do ask aren't really sort of focused on. Some of them are, are technical episodes. Like for example, I've got my like, done like sub three, the championship ones. I've talked about nutrition, mindset, some things that I really want to know. But generally, they're just about running and life and how those two kind of things intersect together and how we take lessons from both. And and you just sometimes you sort of come into it thinking, oh. I see things from a certain way, and then you speak to someone else, and they show you something completely different. You know, you think, oh, I didn't think of it that way. So for me, it's, a, it's an amazing learning experience, and I just, yeah, just love the conversations I have with people. You always learn something from everyone you speak to. And kind of teenage you, would you have ever looked in the future and seen that you were doing a podcast about running and having it as such a central part of your life? Was it ever anything a goal then? <laughs> Um, I think you put the podcast to one side. I think also doing the podcast as well, the same as running, is doing something that scared me. So although I'm, people might say, oh, you speak quite confidently and you come across like this, I had this thing of just like, like sound my voice and speaking in public and you know, that. So I was like, this is ridiculous. So it's just about also doing something that scared me. And then the more you do it, you actually realize actually, okay, my voice sounds like that. So it's fine. <laughs> just get over it or you do like a podcast episode i did a, a podcast episode with someone and i was so nervous and i remember fluffing something and they gave me a critique at the end and although you feel like oh my gosh like whatever 
And you're just like, no one died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, just do the next one. So, like, I don't yeah. feel like whatever, but I just feel like everyone I speak to, I just think they're just a person. They've got up, they've maybe had some challenges today, something's happened. I'm just speaking to a person, and I just, I just try to, to think of it in that way and just have a, a good conversation. But so it's helped me a lot, really, just to kind of get over my own fear, get out of my own way, and um, lots of things like that in life. I think it's so cool just to do things that, up to a point to scale, not recklessly, because obviously <laughs> you've got to go to work, do you know what I mean? But you've got to do some things that kind of push your boundaries, I think. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and, and, and talk about kind of, that kind of interact with, what about, does your family, I mean, obviously your kids, one of them's only 17 months, so, but does your three-year-old... Do they kind of join him in a running? Does, you, does your wife run as well? Are you kind of, is it like a, a running family or is it actually this is just daddy's hobby? Kind of, in inverted comments. Yeah. So my wife is probably more of like a team sports person and I'm more of like a, <laughs> a lone wolf. <laughs> so I, I can do team sports, but I prefer my space. So like for me, running and that kind of thing is perfect. So yeah. she supports me in that. Um, the kids are quite young and for me, I, I'd never want it to be like, trying to force them to be like a mini version of me because they're not, they're their own people. I'm just like, just helping them find their way for what they want to do in their life. Mm. If they want to run, they run. Um, you know, when a guy has a part of my daughter and she runs, you know, that, that's fun. And she, you know, I try to make it fun as possible. Um, I remember probably like a couple of months ago, my daughter said to me, oh, daddy, why do you run? And like, if you asked me why I run, I'd give you some sort of like answer that maybe you, Potentially trying to impress you or <laughs> an ego filled with answer or whatever and trying to be really smart with it. But when they're like a free roll, you can't be like, well, I'm trying to get to London Champion place because when I start running this time, like, well, well. like, no one cares. So you're just like, look, I, I, I enjoy running. It really makes me feel good. And so just break it down to, yeah. to that kind of level. And so I think that was a really cool question to ask me as well then because I think sometimes you need that that frame of reference sometimes to kind of think, oh, am I, am I doing it for uh, the reason that best uh put me forward and best certainly yeah and, and also i mean yeah marathon training and running can be incredibly selfish can't it and then can have impact upon, upon the family and there are times when you know when my kids are at stonewells and i'm training i do feel feel guilty at, at times um but thankfully mine are now teenagers and kind just of just on their phones and don't notice it <laughs> now <laughs> yeah and almost just accept that's what dad does dad just runs yeah. um but but it is isn't it it's difficult and it is great when they're that bit younger and they yeah you can't say you know well because i want to get this qualifying time that doesn't mean anything to them um yeah but sorry. <laughs> sorry. that's the, the dog, dog not me <laughs> <laughs> but they are wonderfully grounding us as well aren't they in kind of helping us with our kind of true motivation at times and kind of keeping yeah. our feet on the ground and not allowing us to get too completely carried away of our running aspirations and crazy dreams. Absolutely. Like when you hear it back to yourself, like my first answer would be like, oh, it's a championship time. But sometimes you actually hear like how ridiculous that sounds. But you're basically telling your kids like, oh, the goal is more important than the running. So that was a good, sometimes like it's really good to have those, those sort of questions and answers back at you. Yeah. kind of make you really challenge actually why is it important not saying that the championship place is not important but it can't be your first answer yeah no brilliant excellent fantastic oh well it's been superb catching up with you so keep an eye out for new getting championships so all set for october 
is it all going in the right direction all injury free at the moment training kind of on the yeah button at the moment yeah it's, go- yeah, it's going well i mean i think running is a challenging one you you, you 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 aim for something i'm doing my best to get there but i think ultimately the long runs closer to the time will dictate where i am so i'm going to do my best to get there but if i'm not quite there or i am there great if i'm not quite there then great i'll just do my best in the marathon so you know, something I've learned with running is you've got to have a lot of patience. Sometimes you don't get to where you want in the time you want. It took me four times to break sub three, so I've got a lot of patience. <laughs> <laughs> At least, yeah, you've still got a few more weeks. You've got about, what, about 15 weeks, so you're not quite on that final 12-week build up no. you just have to park your half marathon and that isn't a, an indicator of current fitness at all is it really well on one hand it is because like if you think like for me like if i the day i felt like a three out of ten and to run the time that i ran as a three out of ten i was like actually that's actually not bad <laughs> oh, right. okay. so it wasn't yeah, a complete car crash yeah if you, if you reframe it like that i mean like so like the time that I ran, a lot of people would say, yeah, that's amazing, and so I mean, I think yeah, it's cool, but I, and I never want to come across as big-headed, but the times that you're running and training and stuff that you know you're capable yeah. of, it's kind of, you kind of know what you, where you should be. It's a hard one to have that conversation on social media and that coming across like a complete idiot. It's almost like someone saying something like, oh, yeah, you should be grateful. Do you remember, you, now you can walk now, like, you, when you were like, a baby, you could have walked. It's like, well, I'm not there, I'm here now, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I can walk, I can run, I can do stuff. I can yeah. run cards, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Fantastic. So, so, yeah, I think, have you got any questions? So, should we, can you give it, so if somebody is lining up for, for London and they've got a summer of training ahead, yeah. Um, we've, we've kept you for an hour already, so we'll, we'll try and start, start wrapping up. Um, but what one tip, so somebody's kind of, so, uh, don't want to kind of spoil all your tips from your talk you're giving on at the weekend. Maybe, maybe that's what we should say. Is like if people want some top marathon tips, they should kind of join in on the the London Marathon webinar at the weekend. Because I was going to ask you if you could share maybe one tip that you would give somebody who's training for London or for their first marathon this year. What would be the one yeah. piece of advice would you give them? So this is a question I ask people on my podcast like what's the one thing that you did to get to a certain time it's not a fair question to ask because there isn't really one thing there isn't like one secret there's no one workout there's no like one piece <laughs> of advice you can be like oh now nah, i pass this on to you i could go forward and do stuff it's all the little things that like that all matter that all add up like just yeah. the consistency um like life has happened so sometimes you know, might not get the right sleep but you try to do the best you can try to eat you know the right things you know when you're training i you know make sure i practice my tempo runs practice my fueling so it's not like uh a new thing like you see people doing faster runnings like you know don't do that because you're trying to get your body used to kind of if your body gets used to that it's going to have a different reaction when you go to a race day and then you try to start giving it carbs it's going to be like what's happening here and you're just going to bark yeah um also same as like uh you know kit like when i do my long runs I tend to wear what I'm probably going to wear on the race day. Yeah. So I just wear different versions of that so you feel comfortable in that. Um, it's just like just the, the things that you do during the week, just making sure that you're giving the best that you can and just kind of just trying to be consistent with that and just being kind to yourself as well. Not being like a spark and be like, I must just eat rice 
fried chicken and an avocado <laughs> some keys and that's it do you know what I mean I must not like touch like a drop of alcohol but you know you just do all things in kind of moderation have fun with it enjoy it but just make sure you just just do the consistent consistent things on a you know just a consistent basis uh, and you will you know, get there and just to know that like once you get the start line as much as you think you can plan for all, all the things that could happen you know there was always going to be something that going to surprise you I mean, and just be aware that when that happens, just to not freak out, just to be like, okay, cool, just take a breath and just be like, okay, cool, what's the best next step? Sometimes it might be like, oh, I've got to slow down, you know, and just, you know, and, and kind of go forward. Like when I did my sub three, and I'm giving a very long answer here, um, it's brilliant. It, and when I was, I think I was about 13, 14 miles into it, and I started to feel quite sick. Like I started, and I thought, okay. What I can either do now is I can stop taking my gels and I'm going to blow up at mile 20, or I can start taking my gels and keep taking my gels but sipping them. It's a lot slower. Yeah. And both seem like awful options. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I still had to make that that decision at that time. Whereas when I look at my training runs before, I was doing 80 miles plus, easy. Do you know what I mean? I felt no problems. And you know, things will happen in a marathon that you will test you and it doesn't mean that you're you know weak or a failure and then I just just make the best next step just process what's happening and be like okay what's next so for me the nutrition thing was a key example of like what happened in that race even though I, I did all these things quote-unquote right beforehand brilliant fantastic we got about five tips there yes <laughs> super, super so if we want to follow your next um few months of training where's the best place to have a look at what you're up to is that going to be on instagram yeah i tried to share stuff on instagram and uh on on the podcast as well so i'm not really that active in strava uh, i'm probably going to offend a lot of people by saying this the only person that follows me in strava is my coach so i feel like especially being on social media and like that, i think sometimes it, you should you shouldn't share everything to honest i think you've got to keep, keep some things kind of private to a certain extent not that i'm trying to hide the training because you know the race result tells you yeah. what you need to know yeah and um, so you can't you can't you can't deny that uh, but for me it's just about kind of keeping that one side of things private and i tend to then share like my weekly runs anyways on instagram and i t- tend to talk about the work as i'm doing like a rationale so um even though i don't share the exact locations i still share like what i'm doing so people who uh, may might want to follow or, or learn from what i'm doing um and want to share information and help me you know, can sort of get involved as well. I don't have, have all the answers, so um, if there's any stuff that people want to share with them, yeah, feel free to share. <laughs> and what's your handle on Instagram? The Marathon Marcus. So, um, unfortunately, Marathon Marcus was taken by about several people, which is why I had to add uh, Marathon Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yours, is it? It's not. No, no I didn't. I didn't. Well, yeah, that I just, guy. That guy, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I took all the marathon markers. I took them all. I, I took the running markers, ultra markers, every single thing. But I just have my own name um, on my Instagram handle. But yeah, so we'll put links down below. And your podcast um, is A Runner's Life as well. Yeah, thank you. So if people want to kind of, yeah, if they've not come across your podcast, then yeah, go and have a look at it. Go and have a listen to it. It's fantastic. Um, another one to take on runs or just to have 
kind of when you're driving around and however you listen to podcasts yeah and yeah kind of this has been so motivational tonight talking to you as well and your instagram is i find it so motivational as well look being going through it and reading stuff on there um so thank you so much for taking time out this evening (laughs) brilliant it's been wonderful chatting to you and uh we, we kind of keep our fingers crossed if we can for for london for you and exciting to see if you get that championship time yeah, I'll take on all everyone's sort of best wishes. So I'll take on all that all that energy. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, we're it. sending it oh, out. Yeah, we're going to be cheering you. you on. Brilliant. And maybe in a few years' time, we'll see you out on some trails in the ultra fraternity Yeah, I'll see well. you on a beach in Peru. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, in the yeah. desert at MBS. Oh, yeah. the Sahara. <laughs> Brilliant, Marcus. It's been <laughs> an so absolutely much. pleasure chatting to you this evening. Take it easy and have a take good care. rest of the week. Take we'll care. catch you soon. Bye-bye. Take care now. Thank bye. you. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Oh, fantastic. What a brilliant interview there with Marcus. And so really kind of encouraging about the marathon as well. Excellent. I've said excellent now. We're probably going to have to go back and listen to some of the words and phrases we maybe overuse, like Marcus was saying he does that. Um, so thank you those who are joining us. Thank you, Antonia and Chris. Glad you enjoyed it. And Gerson as well. Sorry we didn't get everybody's comment in there. We were just... Yeah, just a very kind of engaging conversation there uh, with Marcus. And we hope you all enjoyed it. And if you have listened to us on the podcast, please leave a review down the bottom. And if you've enjoyed it on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and uh, click subscribe so you can keep up to date what's happening. And we are back in two weeks time. We are back in two weeks. And that really is going to be our last interview for World Ginger. (sighs) Oh my goodness me. There we go. We said it before and then we came back, but that really is our last one. (laughs) Yeah, we did have a a second comeback, but yeah, this will be our last time. Um, So please do join us in two weeks time for our our last interview with a signed beagle. Um, (laughs) Hopefully it won't be smelling a fox poo, but we hope you've enjoyed this evening. Have a good rest of the week. Stay safe. Enjoy the summer trails and we shall see you in two weeks time. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. 
Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.